Hey there, Agile Harper. It's Dave Krasnowski. Joining me, as always, from the board is uh, Steve Nunziata. And Janet's here with us tonight. Hey, Dave. So we're here tonight with Kevin Martin. Kevin's going to help us understand how to find your wow, your way of working with Disciplined Agile. Hey, Kevin, how are you this evening? Man, I'm doing great, Dave. Uh, Good to be with you tonight. It's good to have you. You know, I know you're from some distant lands. Where are you, down in the heart of Texas? Is that where you're at? Yes, sir. The great Alamo City, San Antonio, Texas. Kevin, the watchword today is business agility. How does uh, Disciplined Agile play in that arena as compared to, say, SAFE? Let me tell you what I think is driving this. We all had a plan in March of 2020, and it probably didn't include some of the things that we've experienced between that 230 days ago and today. So part of being nimble and business agility is the ability to recognize things you are unable to control. It comes from the military and their realization that on the battlefield, they are unable to control a lot of what happens. Okay. People are trying to uh, change the experience they're having. So VUCA stands for, that's V-U-C-A, stands for volatility. Volatility speaks to the speed of change. So I think everybody would agree that our world today is moving faster than it ever has. Long-range planning is sometimes weeks, not months. That's why SAFE, um, using the the 90-day PI planning, at least that's been my experience, sometimes experiences change in that 12-week period. And uh, your ability to be nimble is key to long-term success. The second one is, uh, is you is uncertainty. And that is the extent to which you can confidently predict the future. And I think we've already, again, every week is a little different for all of us in just day-to-day living. Remember when you couldn't get toilet paper? You were thinking, what am I going to do? And then the third one is complexity. That's the C. And that is the number of factors that you have to take into account, the variety of those factors and their relationship between them. So if you have to spend time trying to find toilet paper or shopping, you don't have time to do the things you used to do, exercise, be with family, whatever it might be. It was taking more time because of the complexity of this new operating model. And then the last one is the A is the ambiguity, a lack of clarity about how to interpret whatever it is you're being observing. So when you're unable to get toilet paper, how do you interpret that? Is it a lack of supply? Is it a lack? I mean, you started thinking like, okay, if I get up at 4 a.m., can I be in line to get a roll of toilet paper? That's just some real world example for VUCA. DA teaches you that you cannot control these things but that you need to be nimble and able to uh, pivot in order to address them. It sounds like you've used both SAFE and DA personally. Tell us a little bit about your experience with them. Every framework is, it comes to me with what I call the evangelist, right? They're selling some framework and it's going to solve all of my problems. Well, I've been around a long time, and, and I know that's not true of any solution. What I saw in SAFE was a very well uh, laid out early version, 1.0. So it didn't have all the portfolio and layers, RTEs, and trains above it. It was focused at the team level, as was the DA. It was called Discipline Agile Delivery. You can still find that book. Both of them were focused at the team, and that's where everybody starts. 
Those are big investments. However, what I also found in Agile, both in my own experience and both frameworks, if you don't have your entire organization calibrated, it's what I call gears. If all the gears aren't calibrated under the same kind of mindset and principles, they tend to grind each other. And, and I'm talking about uh, layers like legal, marketing, finance, HR, all of those things have to morph. And that's where this term business agility comes from. It's more than just your software team. You know, people think when they get their software teams clicking that they're done. And, and when, when I talk about the DA toolkit, you'll see that there are layer upon layer that you have to focus on and remove those impediments to truly be fully business agile. So Kevin, can you take us just a little bit deeper into that foundation layer? It's actually the heart. I'm going to give you a, a full list of the components in the foundation, and then we'll talk about each one and what they bring to DA Toolkit. We first start out with the principles. The first two are kind of feely touching. It's delight customers and be awesome. Now, for those of us that are engineers or analytical those feel like feelings, right? Like how do I delight customers and how do I be awesome? The DA practice shows you how to do it and gives you ways if you have customers who are constantly unsatisfied with whatever you do, you can begin to uh, practice how to be awesome and delight those customers. And it has in the toolkit questions and things in context to say, focus on this. So those are the first two. The third one is pragmatism. And that is be a realist. Don't say that this practice is going to solve everything in three months. It's not. But what it's going to do is allow you to focus on removing impediments, an agile practice, from the operating system, whether those are people impediments, funding impediments, uh, legal impediments. Every one of the above layers in the DA toolkit all have a foundation in pragmatism. The next one is context counts, and that goes back to what worked for one team that won't work for another team. And everybody who comes in with a framework, my experience, says you have to do it this way for every team. The DA toolkit says your context counts and it matters most. Use the DA toolkit to unravel the complexities within your operating context. And the nice thing about it is if I have 700 teams, I could have them all doing something different. And then the next one is choice is good. Choice is good uh, is the concept of give yourself multiple options. And that goes back to being agile. I could do it this way. I could do it this way. And so this concept of business agility is delay making a final decision until you have enough information to inform your decision. Now, that's not saying, you know, get caught up in analysis paralysis, but have options. We could do this. We could do this. and We could do this. And then as a team, figure out what's our next step and give yourself choices. The next one goes from, uh, comes from Al Shalloway, who also now works for PMI along with Scott Ambler. Uh, he has uh, something called Flow. And uh, th that's rooted in the lean where you optimize the value stream from start to end. And you can start there. Uh, that will throw out waste. It will uh, limit work in progress and it will create value throughout the flow. The next one is enterprise awareness. This is a really unique one that I only have found addressed in Scott Ambler's way of working and uh, 
DA toolkit. That is, every person in the enterprise needs to understand at some level what every single other person in the enterprise is doing to contribute to their shared goal. Now, think about this from a visualization perspective. If you all understand your mission is to get to the moon, the question is, what do you do today to get to the moon? It can't be, well, my department's goal is this, my department's goal is this. That's where things start to fall apart because everybody's moving in different directions. And I'm, as I mentioned earlier, this calibration of gears, all working for a single vision and goal or product or service is the key to getting all the systems working together. And then the last one of the eight principles is organize around your products and services. And that is build teams, leave them together. Okay, so, so fund teams. This is a funding issue. But it, once you get teams together, leave them alone because now you have people who understand each other. Strengths, weaknesses, idiosyncrasies. Uh, are they a morning person, an evening person? What do they do well? And if you leave them alone and bring work, even if it's different kinds of work, they will use the principles of Agile to unravel the complexities and solve your problems faster than if you continually build and devolve teams. Going back to the old Tuckman model, they don't go through the forming, storming, norming, performing, and adjourning steps. So that, those are the eight principles. That's the first one. For the principles that you just listed, would you say they augment the 12 Agile principles? They're not supposed to be taken in place of those, correct? That's right. Yeah, these, these are eight principles that the DA framework, it does not preclude the 12 principles of, of Agile. Just one other observation was, it, it sounded like you talked about organization, enterprise awareness, and you talked about everyone understanding the mission from top down. That sounds very much like uh, objectives and key results, which is something we talked about recently. So we had a lot of transparency to the corporate objectives. I mean, do you, do you see alignment with that concept or have you heard it employed with DA? Yeah, 100%. Um, I, I actually had to go um, do lean portfolio management and that's all about this strategy of linking to the, the company I work for has five major measurements of success. We all understand what we contribute to on a daily basis of those five, but our key results and our outcomes are completely different. What intrigued me about DA in comparison with models that I'm used to is one of the principles you brought up was, was pragmatism and context yeah. dependency. So to me, those are very interesting and compelling because we hear a lot about agile frameworks and how prescriptive they appear. And DA sounds more like it matters where you are. It matters the, your way of working. And it's all about offering you choices that best fit your context that enable your success with this DA framework. Yeah, you're right, Steve. And that's really the next layer. So we have, we have uh, principles. There were eight of them. The next layer in that foundation is something that uh, we call promises. Uh, this goes back to address an issue that I don't care what you're doing. One of the things that is missing in business and society today is we don't know who to trust. So it's about building trust and delivering value, right? So under the promises, I'll give you all of them, but the two that I think have the greatest lift the quickest is creating psychological safety 
and embracing diversity within your team. And when I say diversity, I mean diversity of experience and thought and creating an environment where people feel comfortable to disagree in order to come out with a better solution. It's not win-lose. It's, I like this about your idea, but I'd change it this way. When you get that kind of culture and everybody playing on a level experience or contribution field, regardless of title, the results are absolutely unbelievably amazing. And the second aspect in the promises is make all work visible. One of the things that I found, no matter what framework teams use, is they don't have all their work visible. And so they wonder, how come we're not making progress? It's because they have hidden work under their desk, in a drawer. They're doing it as a favor for someone else. And that all focuses on being inefficient. And the first thing I do when I walk in, into a team, I'm like, show me your work. And they say, what do you mean? And I say, I need to see everything you are working on, everything. And when you make that visible, and you can do it in this pandemic world with collaboration tools like Mural or just a, a whiteboard, just keep stuff up and, and move it along. Like, hey, what are our new ideas? Hey, what are ones we need to talk about? You start building this team of operating individuals who contribute their unique gifts and talents uh, regardless of their title. We've talked a little bit about how DA can build on scaled agile. And it sounds as though we could do both. Many of our listeners actually thought they were competing. I can tell you that in 2010, when I met Dean and uh, Scott, they were competing. They were at this conference presenting this, these two new uh, frameworks. And, um, you know, I, I got to spend 30 minutes with each of them just saying, you know, what led you to this? So they were competing. What I think uh, Scott learned was the same thing that I learned, and that is there is no silver bullet. And so what he did was he actually took it to a different level and made it more complex because he said, I don't really care how you run your teams. You can run a safe, a Kanban. If you use these principles, which are in the foundation, you can run project management, traditional predictive project management on one team, if that works for you. You can run lean you can run less. You can do the things that are, are more uh, workflow oriented, if that's the kind of work you do. You can run agile using any of the, I'm, I quit counting at about 83 different frameworks that I'm personally aware of. What DA does is it builds an, a layer on top of that. And, and again, it has questions to help you address where your specific pain points are. Having done this with a lot of teams all over the world, what Scott found was there are some common Maladies with getting people to work together, and we talked about the promises. There's also some guidelines, and that is the third of the components in the framework. So we've got promises, we've got principles, and we got, and we now are going to talk about some guidelines. And these guidelines have to do with you know, validating your learning, applying design thinking if you need help there. But design thinking is how people interact with systems or processes. That's another guideline. The next one is attend to relationships. This goes back to the people side of Agile, and that is it's not about software and delivery. It's about relationships through the value stream. So, again, enterprise awareness, go up the value stream and find out where your ideas come from. Who's the good idea fairy that keeps bringing all these ideas from us? It should be everybody in the organization as well as your customers. 
The next one has to do with create effective environments that foster joy. Think about this. If you're not having fun where you work, you need to figure out why. And if you can do that, even on bad days, people are happy to work there. What I found when I deployed this is that when people started using these principles, they actually enjoyed working together. They actually felt like they were contributing. They weren't just turning a crank on a daily job and not really sure the impact of their work. They literally could tie everything they did to some value. They enjoyed working with each other. Not to say that you don't have interpersonal conflict or differing ideas. That's how you make things better is you, you talk them and work them out. And you experiment. Hey, let's try your idea. Maybe it's better than my idea. If your idea fails, I'll be ready to go with my idea. That's how you do it. It's win-win. The next one is uh, change your culture by improving the system overall. We talked about that whole layer of the DA enterprise, touching everybody in the organization. And then creating a, a semi-autonomous self-organizing teams. And that is push decision-making down. Train and mentor your teams on how executives think and then give them the ability to use what you've trained them to do to make day-to-day -day decisions. Because if you don't, your system is not going to be as efficient if everything has to be run up the line and then back down the line, which holds companies back. That's, that's this idea of trust. A couple more, and then I'll come back to you. Adjust your measures to improve your outcomes. There's that word outcomes again, Steve. It doesn't matter if you have the perfect system that doesn't produce an outcome that's valuable to your organization or your customers. So you just can't optimize a system. You have to produce outcomes that have value, and you do that incrementally like every other framework. Agile is about delivering value sooner. And that's prioritization. A lot of companies don't do prioritization. That's this idea of lean portfolio management where you understand your outcomes and then you understand how to get there through waves of improvement. And then the last one under the guidelines is leverage and enhance all of your organizational assets. When you tell somebody in legal that you want to help them understand how to work with agile teams, they kind of push back. They're like, hey, I'm a lawyer. I don't need to know this. But when you all start talking the same language, that's this, um, that's this tribe concept where the tribe from top to bottom understands the same uh, lexicon and values. It's super powerful. I think that's where we see a lot of friction today with, with agile teams or even technical value streams where they have to engage other areas like legal, like you said. Yeah. And they have no interest in trying to work in an agile manner because yeah. they have different objectives. They have their own way of working. They don't want to play ball. Yeah. Um, and one of the ways that's coaching, that's where this uh, certified discipline agile coach uh, layer comes in. There's six certifications. Here's what I've learned. If you go to somebody and say, Hey, somebody told us that we're going to deploy a new culture and it's going to be called agile and it's going to be discipline agile. I can tell you that they, they're like, Oh, another trial balloon. We're not doing that. I'm just going to wait right here till you guys figure out it's going to fail. But if you go to them and say, hey, I want to be a good partner to you, what are your pain points? I guarantee you everybody you talk to has got pain. And you say, hey, maybe I can help you with that one. Or, hey, maybe if I can't help you, maybe I know somebody else who can help you. And that's building this network of relationships and trust where you're there to serve them. That's this servant leader heart. If you're there to serve, not just to drive digital discipline agile to them, they are more open to listening to you 
And then you kind of don't scare them with the terminology. It's just say, hey, you know, I'd like to create a, you know, an environment where um, all work is visible. That's all you have to tell them. You don't have to tell them it's agile. And if they ask why, you say, well, I found that there's always work that, that we do that takes us away from being focused and efficient. And they're like, yeah, you're right. That's the, my experience in doing that. Don't tell them what you're doing. Tell them how you can help them. And then before they know it, they're inside the Discipline Agile framework and they're loving it. Kevin, so how do you synthesize How do you bring this all together? I've talked a little bit about the foundations. I gave you principles. I gave you promises and guidelines. Inside there are the tactics that you can use. So at the foundational level, you can use Agile. You can use Lean or you can use predictive or serial project management or framework to manage your work. In addition to that, you need to look at your, your roles. Uh, again, depending on your framework, you're going to have scrum masters, you're going to have RTEs, you're going to have uh, project managers, you're going to have all kinds of roles, and that depends on which one you choose to use. And then you're going to have teams, and organizing them around your products or services is the key. And the last one is the heartbeat of uh, the Discipline Agile book called the Finding Your Way of Working. It is a tremendous primer for getting started, and I recommend the book to, to the, your listeners. So let me take you, that was the foundations. Above that is something that we call the value stream. So no matter what you're doing, you have a dis discipline DevOps. That's your development and operations. So you have your development uh your discipline agile delivery teams, okay, picking whatever framework they want to use. You then have security. Everything's got to have security around it today, especially in the digital world. The second one is you've got data management. So these are all the layers you're going to have to uh, work with. The next one is your release management. How often do you release your products to your customer? Then after that is support. And then finally, we have IT operations, okay, people who keep the heartbeat on any digital platform, okay? So that's that's the value stream of most companies today. So that's the value stream uh, that's called DevOps. Around that is this concept of Discipline Agile Enterprise, shortened DAE. In the DAE, working with all of the groups we've just described, you're going to have to train these groups on the foundations as well. If you are using any form if you uh, of any size, you're going to have portfolios, you're going to have product management, and you're going to have program management, okay? So a portfolio could be seven or 800 projects in a, in a big corporation. Those portfolios, as we talked about before, should be using some form of lean portfolio management to manage their key risk, key outcome, known as OKRs. And that helps link whatever the teams are doing to the highest level of the organization and the strategy of why your company exists. Reinforcing that message, what are our mission statement, what are our values, and who do we serve, knowing your, your customers, very, very important. If you don't have that for your company, everybody in the company needs to know that. Above that group, around them, are people like research and development because they contribute to, to the learning and innovation. You have uh, business operations. That's the people who actually do the operational part of your business. You have people who do and define strategy are super important. They are the folks who are looking out long-term in the strategic 
guidance of your company. You then have people who are governance in governance roles, and that is they govern the use of the funds, they govern audit, those kind of folks are in governance. Then you have marketing and continuous improvement, this, this idea of creating. At the heart of DA, if I could tell you one thing that DA does, it creates an organization focused on learning and being better tomorrow than you were today. Top to bottom, every person in the building is doing continuous improvement. You're never done. And then the last group is sales. So somebody's out there with sales. And then finally, the layer above all of those, the last group that usually gets involved because they're the farthest, the farthest away from uh, agile teams, in my experience, are enterprise architecture, HR or people management, information technology, and all the uh, principles and practices around that. Think of SDLC, DDLC, data uh, delivery lifecycle. Asset management, people who manage the assets, the physical assets of the organization. Most companies are trying to do some form of transformation. You've got finance, the people who fund all of the this activity. You've got vendor management, your third-party people, both on contracts and then day-to-day uh, -day management of the resources. And finally, legal. They're the farthest away, and they're probably the hardest to change because they have rhythms. And some of these operations are so ingrained. I'll take HR. Some of our practices were based in the 1920s. They have a hard time thinking how to do what they do for people management in a different way. And I'll just, I'll just give you one example. Ask an HR person how you can reward a team, which is what Agile's around. Rather than individual performance, which is what they got, how do you reward a team? So that's the DA toolkit, and that's why it's comprehensive, and it's going to take you a while to get it all right, but one step at a time, and you'll be better. Well, I think what you were elaborating on, I think that it kind of shows the case that Disciplined Agile kind of enables safe and actually goes beyond safe. It's, it's a much grander vision, and everyone needs to be engaged and aligned and how it really can be very effective for large organizations should they choose to opt more towards a pragmatic approach to their Agile transformation. I was thinking about that description and, and what you're talking about, Steve, and, and I'm wondering, is discipline Agile being used in the government or being used in manufacturing, or is it, is it really more for the, the software-centric software -centric enterprises? Yeah, Janet, that's one of the myths. I have people who I've trained who are in the government and are using these practices today to manage their efforts. What are a few things that I or any one of our members can do tomorrow or next week at work? You can go to YouTube. There's actually a Discipline Agile YouTube channel. You can also go on to LinkedIn and talk to those of us who join that and answer questions. So join a community. And then look at the DA toolkit and the way of working and find just one thing to improve. And if you start with one thing, it's like the, you know, the journey. You have to take the first step and you have to be willing to, to learn. You're going to have to keep learning. And then what you can do is have conversations with people. Ask them, how's your DA journey going? Uh, what was the first thing you tried? And then consider your personal next step in changing the teams that you lead or serve. And the last one, I'm going to go back to one of the principles. Just learn how to be awesome. Just be better tomorrow than you were today. 
Disciplined Agile is on their version five, I believe. And similar to safe, it's important to know that you're working with the current version because as Kevin, as you pointed out, previous versions of the methodologies and the frameworks aren't as wide reaching, but the latest version of DA, I think comes together well. Um, I think I, I read in uh, maybe version two or three of DA and it wasn't quite as robust. And now coming back to it, I do see that. Hey, I, I get it now. I see how they're building this and how it's scaling up, upward and outward. Make sure for people that are investigating, be sure you're on the current version and you really get the most out of it. When I put 700 people in a PI planning session for three days, there is a significant cost. My question is, do I get the value of three days of planning when we go to execute? So it'll be interesting to see where Discipline Agile evolves to and how it evolves and where it starts getting into the larger enterprises that may be coming away from a scaled Agile model because they recognize that maybe this isn't the best context for this and uh, yep. we'll maybe give Disciplined Agile a shot. So yep. I'd encourage anyone to to check it out. It really is intriguing to see how they approach uh, agility at that enterprise level and beyond having options available to you and not being prescriptive in many cases. And who doesn't want to delight customers and be awesome? Amen. <laughs> That's exactly right. Right. That sounds awesome. So Kevin Martin, thank you, sir. It was a pleasure having you with us tonight. We really appreciate you joining us. Thanks, Dave. It was my pleasure. I love talking about this. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much again. Uh, stay healthy out there. Right on. Have a good night, everybody. Be agile and stay curious. <laughs>